0: Hello again, everyone. Um, It's been a little while since my last podcast. I know I had a a good rhythm there for a while, doing things daily, um, even segments throughout the day. And then I've dropped off for a little while now. But, you know, I kind of view things like life as an experiment, in a way. And so these things, a lot of time, it follows the rhythm of the energy. And so with this, I'm trying to leave this as unstructured as possible, again, that flow of consciousness. And so... As I feel inspired to do it i 'll share with you, but then there may be times when you know the um, the energy ebbs a little bit, and so you know I, I really don 't want to get into the habit of say recording just to record um, but it 's interesting now because the energies are coming back to do this, and then i 've also been receiving synchronicities and confirmations in my own environment kind of leading me back to this and so this morning seemed like a good time to to do this. So one of the things I've been thinking a lot about, and especially after the, the last subject of um, the, the preceding segments, um, the science of getting rich and a lot of these kind of ideas around manifestations and intention and things like that, is I've kind of been working on balancing of energy. And I notice as you focus too much on one thing, there's the potential you get trapped in that thing. And this, this law of equilibrium will kind of knock you knock you out of it and kind of make things right again if you don't balance it yourself. And so this is, this is sort of interesting because you're tempted to just sort of focus on one thing, whether it's manifesting your, your intention or, um, for example, I've, I've come from a lot of the, the tradition of um, light working and spirituality, and so that tends to be where my, my comfort level is, and so I'll dwell there for a time. But what will happen is I find I'll get knocked out from time to time and then kind of forced to do some other things. And so that's pretty interesting. And so a lesson here is this this idea of balance. And with balance comes this idea, too, of um, perception. And I've been thinking a lot about about light and dark and light and dark energies and um, good and bad and various, various things. And I've found, it's funny, I've rediscovered this platform called Medium, again and i've I've used medium for a time um I remember back in the early days when it came out but one of the things that's interesting about it is it's kind of like the self publishing um uh, blog platform and so and there's there's typically really good content out there well I discovered this this individual um Alistair forsyth um hopefully i'm pronouncing that right um but i discovered his work through just kind of googling you know like how to balance um how to balance light and dark energies. And because I've noticed if I focused on one too much, I would literally get knocked, knocked back out. And it would happen very abruptly, especially when it got very strong. And, you know, at first there might be discomfort and then literally something would come and kind of knock it, knock it back. And then same with the intentions. I found when I focused on the intentions too much, I would start to have this Maya or Mr. Fog surround everything. And literally it was a thing that would kind of force me out of it to kind of go back to that that balance and so anyway when i I googled this i discovered this individual's work and it led me through kind of reading some of his articles and so you know i i found his stuff to be very good and it's just things that have been prompting me to um, think and one of the things about his work that i've i've really been um been impressed with is that it seems very balanced. Is that a lot of these? A lot of the work I found out there is very polarized in that it's either very, um, very steeped in the feminine energies, and which are more the passive or healing energies, or it's very, it's very kind of focused on the masculine or the active or aggressive energies and there 's biases with that, but I notice this work seems very balanced, and that 's something i 've been working on within my own spiritual work and energetic work is that sense of balance and invoking those energies as i as I need them and not to just kind of get stuck in one thing and so one of the articles I read this morning and i i find I found interesting and i 'd like to share this morning is called "What is good and evil and i won 't read through the entire article i 'll just um, I'll just sort of hit on the high points and talk through some things based on my own experience. And, you know, if you want to find his work, it's on Medium, and and that's M-E-D-I-U-M, and it's an app you could download on Android and iOS. Um, but it's really good for kind of reading long-form content and all that, and there's, some, there's shorter things on there, obviously, too, but what's really cool is they tell you, like, how, how long it takes to read something and all that, and the formatting's very, very nice. And so this particular article he has is, what is good and evil? And, you know, some some points, a key point in this is just this idea of perception, is that it's kind of, you know, what's good to you may not be good to somebody else, and what's evil to you may not be evil to someone else, and there's degrees of this. And if you're an absolutist, and I was like this when I was younger, that I would I would see things as kind of black and white based on what I would sell. But then I found there, there, are some, there are some gray areas and there's things that if you travel the world, you'll see that there's, there are various degrees of these things that they play out based on societal rules and beliefs. And I mean, there's a, there's a myriad of things that drive this. And so what you find is that it's, there's this relativity and it's not necessarily an anything goes type of deal, but it's literally like the perspectives are different. And you'll find this too, like if you work, if you do any kind of energetic work, is that you'll notice there's degrees of energy. And this is, this is what happens in that way too. And it's a very good way of, of illustrating that once you're able to kind of feel into that and do that. And so one of the things I've highlighted early on in this article is you said, on one hand, we all know what is good and what is evil. That is to say, we feel it. And on the other hand, any attempt to put it into words, that is to define it or put it into a box, seems to lose the essence of it. It is as if we can talk around it, but never hit it directly on the head. Like sunlight, we could see it, but we cannot catch it. And this is something as you tune into your energies and your environment, you don't, you can't necessarily describe it. And if you try to talk with people about things, it's very hard to do, especially with energy. Especially if, you know, some people are tuned into it, some aren't at this point. And it's very hard to describe it, but you just know it. You know when something feels good or when it feels bad. And once you try to define it, words don't serve. And there's kind of a slippage that, that happens with that, and you'll kind of get stuck. And it's, after a while, you'll just feel that it's pointless to do so, that you just kind of act on it. And so I thought it was kind of interesting in this statement that there's this idea... You know, you can't describe it directly, but you know it and you could, fe- you could feel it. And I found this to be very true in just in, in many things, just in traveling or just various experiences where you don't know. You, you can't put your finger on it, but you know when something feels like the right course of action for you. And you just do it and then things turn out good and it feels good. And then I've known when things were wrong. But my mind would tell me, "No, you're you're mistaken. Just do it." And then things have turned out badly, and I would feel bad as a result of it. And I'd be like, "Why didn't I listen to myself?" And so it's really interesting. This idea of sunlight—you know—you can see it, but you can't catch it, and you kind of know it. And you can, kinda, in many ways, you'll, you may even start to experience this. Where kind of a path is illumined before you, and so the sunlight's a very um, a very fitting analogy. And so. This one of the things um, he talks about in this article is that this um, this individual with the name of Fry um, says the first mistake that Fry makes is thinking that those there could possibly good be good without evil. And I didn't watch the original source of this, um, this video that's being referenced to the article, but the intent and I, I've I've made this error myself earlier in my development where you think that you can always be in the light or always be good and always Kind of live in that space, and a couple of things happen in that way is you find that eventually there may be circumstances that educate you that uh, that will kind of kind of nudge you outside of that comfort zone, and that there will not be a solution except the one that's in front of you. All other areas will be blocked and you'll you'll do you'll perform that action and kind of and my understanding of this is it's kind of to allow you to gain experience and to understand the various perspectives as you go through life, since life is a learning and teaching mechanism. And the other thing that happens is if you live too long in one space, so for example, if you do any sort of energy healing or um, any kind of light work, and you build up those energies and you live in that space, what happens is it becomes kind of boring after a while, is that you'll get too strong in those energies and there's not, there's, it, it starts to feel numb. And then so like the weather may always be sunny, the um everything's always pleasant. You know, everything you're watching, it's like everything's always kind of cheerful and joyful. And kind of the spice of life goes away a little bit in my experience. And so every now and then it's interesting when something kind of with an edge comes along. You don't want it all the time, but it's kind of it's the state change that does it. And it's the contrast. And so if you think of this idea too, of the non-dual, the sing- the the underlying, I guess you go back to the Waddle's teaching, the formless substance, since we've talked about that before, that's the base level of reality. There's a contrast on top of that. And there's a light and a dark. And you can't have light without the dark. And the two are necessary in order to manifest manifest the experience we have. And so without that, the formless would remain formless. And so it's this idea to think, oh, it'd be great if we could remove all the perceived bad but in, in reality it doesn't seem to be true and even if it is it wouldn't it would really take the drama out of life which would in a way might make it a little boring i mean you don't again you don't want to live there or at least i don't but it is interesting every now and then when things get shaken up um maybe not in the moment but you know kind of when all's said and done And I've noticed a lot of times with that as things enter your life, especially if you've worked with some of these advanced spiritual practices, that things will start showing up and karma will be cleared faster. And so different opportunities will show up to allow that to happen. And I've noticed when that happens, a lot of times nothing really changes. It feels like the end of the world at the time, like something seemingly really bad will show up. But then like in a day or two or a week, it's kind of like, huh, nothing really changed. You know, it was just, it was interesting and some energy was shaken up and we were kind of riled up, but nothing really changed. So he goes on to talk about Einstein and this, you know, obviously the relativity theory, like with space-time. And an interesting statement is instead relativity means that we only perceive change. For example, if you take a shower at 20 degrees C, is this hot or cold? If the ambient temperature is 10 degrees C, then it's hot. And if it's 30 degrees C, then the, sh- the shower's cold. And so literally, and this is true again with your energies, you only perceive the change or the shift. And you'll experience this if you play around with your diet, like if you take away alcohol for a long period of time or um, meat or other things, you'll start to feel that what will happen is it will you'll notice a shift in your energy after you after you consume these things again after a long abstinence and the state change becomes more interesting than if you're consuming it all the time because if you consume it all the time then all of a sudden it becomes the new normal you don't know it and it's the same with the temperature if you've had if you had experiences in cold for a time like in the winter and maybe you didn't have a heated environment Every day, it seems very cold at first. You're like, this is horrible. But then after you've done it, if you've done it every day for, say, a few days, all of a sudden it becomes the new normal and you don't really feel cold anymore. You just feel, it just feels like it is what it is. And it's only when you get used to the the comfort. And same with food. If you go, um, if you go back to the science of being well, you know, Waddles talks about this idea that you don't require a lot of food, like you require very, very little food. And I've experienced, I've validated this through my own individual experiences in cutting back food. And you really don't require it. It's just the fact that you, you're accustomed to it based on, on your societal norms and accustomed to eating three meals a day and stuff. But when you ratchet that back, you'll find your body adjusts and you won't need it. And you'll, your weight will uh, achieve a, an equilibrium. And so these are those things you, but you only perceive the change, the cutting back, the adding, the, and that's kind of the, the, um, the pain point. This idea of, um, of good and evil as well. So then we go on to happiness, contentment, joy, security, freedom. These good feelings are relative. Neither do they have a top or a bottom. As soon as one gets used to them, they become normal and are no longer perceived. And again, this is the error of thinking you always want to be in bliss or a joy state. And this is tempting, especially if you have a meditation practice and a spiritual practice is it feels good. And you it's like, oh, this is really good. I always want to be here. But after a while, it becomes a new normal and it co- becomes boring. The sunlight becomes boring if you have sunny days every single day and the thunderstorm is welcomed over time. And so it is with the energy and the things that show up within life. And, you know, this is interesting. You know, this is kind of a kind of a funny example, I guess, when I think about uh, where I'm at in my life now. But it's funny, this has always stuck with me. I remember, um, you know, as a child in the the 80s, the, you know, I remember um, Saturday morning cartoons were a big thing. And I remember the the Smurfs that was one of the one of the shows and I was a child, you'd watch and you know it's a big cartoon at the time, one of them. And I remember if you're familiar with that series, they you know they'd have these little like cartoons would have at that time. They would have kind of a story and you know they were fun, but then they'd have kind of an underlying message behind them. Well, I remember one one episode in this of the Smurfs, they they were had the idea of having parties every day. They would have um they had have birthday parties every day and, or just parties to celebrate everything. And in the beginning, it was a lot of fun. Everybody was really excited and the energy was really high. But then what happened was eventually they got tired of it. You could see they were burned out and they got draggy after a while. And they were like, oh, another party. And they didn't want to do it. And so the lesson was there is too much of a good thing that you can't have a party every, every day. And that what makes the party fun is that it's a special occasion, and special occasions don't happen every day. They can, but then you take the life, the life out of it. And if you've you've read C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, there's the same um, idea. And I believe it was the second book. I I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was the second book in the series where they were on the planet um, Paralandria or Paralandra. And this idea is he had this fruit, and he ate the fruit, or maybe it was on maybe it was on Venus. well anyway, I'm, I'm kind of remembering it but I, I, my memory's a little fuzzy on this, but the idea it, hold, it holds true that they had a fruit that they and the fruit was delicious and but then he found if he ate the fruit too much, then it lost its taste and it lost its joy and this is true in, in life in general, like if you have things, if you have good food, you know I enjoy. I enjoy pizza. If I have pizza too much, then eventually it's, you know, I, I get sick of it and I don't want it. And, you know, the other things are true too, the, the pleasures of life, you know, sex, um, you know, food, just anything, you know, just drinks, um, anything that you could find that gives you joy, reading, um, anything, eventually you will get tired of it. And it the joy is kind of squeezed out of it, and extracted, and it kind of becomes it becomes bitter. And, you know, there was a Twilight Zone episode, one of the older series. I think that series was in the 1950s. Maybe it was black and white. But um, it was interesting. You know, there was a there was a gangster or a thief. I remember in one of the episodes he went to. um, He thought, well, he had died, but he thought he went to heaven because he had everything he wanted. He had, you know, beautiful women, the finest foods, all these things. But what happened is he turned out he was really in hell because he was experiencing the same thing every day. And it was kind of like he got tired of it after a while. And it's the same. This is true if you look at your, your own life and you've done this and you've tried to remain in that, that space all the time. And so the, the, the state changes what we perceive and what we desire. And if you dwell too long in the one space, then it's no longer joyful. It's more of a, a, a tedious activity. Evil is not a property of the action it is a relative perspective based on what you have experienced and are currently experiencing and this is true if you look at various religions and societies is that one thing that's bad somewhere else might be good somewhere in another place and there's degrees of this and you could argue this in the absolute sense but again it's not it's, it's true you know is you know is is killing evil for example well Yes, if you look at it from a a biblical standpoint, thou shalt not kill, but if you're in a if you're in the military, for example, and your job is a soldier that's protecting their country, then it may be seen as a virtue in that light and again there's it's based on perception again because others would say well there's there's no good reason for doing that and so it's literally this this idea that This idea that what happens, it's, you know, it is relative in that way. And again, I'm not attempting to kind of say that anything goes idea, but it is that kind of perception that you can get locked in arguments with people or disagreements with these things. And it's because it all, it is all based on your perception and experience. People with different experiences likely will not have the same attitude on these things. You know, is stealing wrong? Well, yes, if you look at it from codified law and various things. But if it's a survival thing, is it still wrong? Well, maybe it depends on what, it depends on your viewpoint and if you're the person in the situation and what the, you know, perhaps what the situation is. And so, again, a lot of these things are, um, you know, it is, it is a kind of relativistic view in this way. Is pain evil? Is fear evil? Is death, death evil? Well, again, yes, if you look at it, your immediate action or response might be like, absolutely. But if you read on, pain is used by nature and people to teach lessons. For example, don't touch fire. That's the point. Getting burned is what makes you learn the lesson. It's what makes you drop it drop into your, your bodily experience. The three brains, remember we talked about that before on your autonomic nervous system. That's what teaches you the lesson. If you don't get burned, you're not going to remember. You could be taught it all day long, theoretically, but until you actually do it, that's when it drops into your experience. And so pain in that context is useful. So we argue not necessarily evil. Some people find pain pleasurable in some contexts. Again, relative in that way. It's interesting. Um, I can't say that I find pain pleasurable, but I have learned recently that there is benefit in feeling into the pain. And so I've had certain things um, that have shown up even while doing this podcast that I've talked about before that I've decided not to do the healing work on because I just wanted to feel into it and I've extracted lessons out of that. And it's been really interesting in doing that. Now, I don't want to live there all the time, but it is interesting when you know you can kind of turn it on and off and do these different, different things and kind of see what fruit you can extract from it. Fear is usually considered evil, but not always. Many people enjoy bungee jumping and or horror movies. Horror movies are really big. If you try to, like, look on Netflix or various things, you'll see lots of offerings in that way. And if you've ever gone through the, the idea of trying to purify your consciousness of these negative influences and remove them, it's an interesting experiment because it's very hard to do in modern society. Like, if you try to remove any kind of violence or, um, or uh, you know, death or destruction, whether it's war or murder movies, horror movies. It's really hard to do your choices are very limited and so it's you know it's interesting in that kind so obviously people enjoy it if it's out there and it's obviously making money and has demand death means different things to different people fear of the unknown the pain of having lost someone or the destruction of a form and so it's this idea death to some is evil and something to be avoided death to others is a liberator and allows you to move on and do this if you read the Taoist teachings there are practices in there in the alchemical teachings of how to take this you create this pill and you take the pill and you it's an instant death type thing and it allows you to liberate yourself from your body now does it work does it not is that what happens i don't know i haven't you know i haven't haven't um haven't attempted that or gotten to this point but it is interesting because This is the idea. It's not only desirable as a liberating idea that somebody will actually work towards doing that and put forth their consciousness in a focused manner in order to attain that state or that level of realization and then bring about the forced transmutation of their body. And so, again, it's a relativistic view. And if you're interested in reading about that, it's in the book called The Taoist Experience, which is a, a very fascinating and intriguing book. Um, if you haven't read it and are interested in such things. Evil in all these things is subjective rather than objective. It is relative and based on your perspective. And again, it's that temperature, the idea of the temperature, a different it's the state change that you're looking at, and different people looking at it will do that. Hot to some people may not be hot to everybody. Cold to some people may not be may not be cold to everybody. So continuing on, I mean, if we can only perceive change, then all of our desires must be related to change in some way. When something remains constant, we take it for granted. Stop thinking about it, and hence we do not have desires connected to it. Only when we lose something we have taken for granted do we notice it again. And so this is interesting, this idea that desire is is tied to relativism and the change in perception. And that that is the thing. You only... Your desires really manifest, if you think about it, based on your relation to your environment and to other people and the state changes. And so you take something for granted when it's there all the time. When it's removed, that's when you notice it's gone. When it gets added, then you notice it's there and you may not even care again. And what's happened is I found in my experience the universe will play with that, is that you think you need something or want something, whether it's a relationship or... A certain level of comfort and then all of a sudden it's stripped away and you're like what the heck how did that even happen and what am I going to do but then after a while you don't even really notice it's gone and then when it comes back you don't really care and this is kind of the dilemma with manifesting things if you've played around with the the waddles stuff the wallace waddles material science of getting rich is that a lot of times by the time you manifest something you don't really care about it. Or even before you get there, you find, I don't really care about this. Why am I spending so much time doing this and putting this energy into it? And it's kind of a whim. And so it's kind of a good test in doing that, but really what you're wanting are the state changes. And you'll find there's easier ways to bring that about. And so you may, you kind of may dither from the path a little bit because of that, but it is really, it really becomes interesting. And if you've changed your diet, this is something that happens too. Things that you thought you couldn't live without and you really wanted, after a while you don't really care about. It. You're just like, Well, I don't need that. I don't I don't even really And then when it comes back you you really think you want it. But then it doesn't matter. You're you're just like, Well, this is I don't know, it it, it doesn't make me feel good anymore. And so it just it gets removed. And I believe this is what's tied to the Taoist teachings. This idea is of if you um if you've read like the King Jing Jing the um, scripture of purity and tranquility also within the Taoist experience compilation they talk about this removal of desires and so you're really what you're doing is removing the state changes the changes the, the hot and the cold the up and the down the good and the bad and when you remove that and you remove the contrast of the duality then you reach the root level of existence you've removed polarity and so that's what allows you to get to the, to the all or the one, to the, to the calm. Unless I perceive myself as unable to satisfy, satisfy that desire, then the desire itself becomes tormenting. And this is the root of suffering. They talk about in B- Buddhism, and Buddhism and these other things. It's not that the thing is missing and that the desire is bad in and of itself. It's that if you're unable to satisfy it or bring it about, that becomes the root of the suffering. And this is kind of the the trap of of manifestation and intentions is that if it becomes a thing where you have to do it then it's not it's not good in and of itself. And so I recently read in a a spiritual book recently that I'll I'll probably talk about in this podcast at some point cuz it was a really kind of it it left an impact on me. But it was, um, I think it was called A Life Life of Liberation. And what was fascinating about this book is they had the idea in there and that goals are good, so your intention of manifestation can be good, but you should be okay with different things showing up and it not happening, and that is the key. You remove the suffering from it. If it doesn't show up, that's okay, but if it does, it does. And so again, it's this idea that there's a higher perspective, whether it's your higher self or some higher will, looking out for you and kind of sending you along this light path it might it might not be in your highest good to do that and so the suffering comes in when you get tied to the ego and actually have to control everything to put it another way evil is a situation that i want to change but i have no control over control that's the that's the challenge here evil control i want things to be good all the time so i see everything that's outside of good i have that in quotes good in quotes is evil good to whom good to me and my ego and wanting to control that perhaps this is a message of the story of adam and eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for which they are metaphorically cast out of paradise the story is literally telling us that to have the perception of what is good and evil is itself the creation of evil so again this is this fascinating idea does evil exist if you know about it? And if you look at Wallace Waddles' work The Science of Being Well specifically and I've talked about this book quite a few times and I highly recommend it if you especially if you're wanting to improve your health in your life and improve almost for me when I read this book I remember it improved almost every dynamic it was really interesting. But to sum it up, it's this idea of see, see no evil, hear no evil. And literally it doesn't exist. And what happens is literally these it stops becoming a reality and these things will drop off. And I still remember, you know, I have a close friend who she talked about this. She said we had talked about this concept and she said, yeah, as a child, I remember. And she hadn't read that book, but she had said, yeah, as a child, I remember If I had a headache or felt sick, my parents would tell me, well, you better take this medicine or go see a doctor or whatever. And you'd say, well, she'd say, no, I'm just not going to pay attention to it. And she was maybe very young, like eight or nine years old at the time. And they would just kind of laugh at her and say, well, no, you need to actually do something. And she wouldn't do it. She could be very stubborn. And she'll say, well, no, I'm not going to do it. And... Literally, the things would go away. And so she learned throughout her life if she ignored certain things, the condition would go away. But if she, if she focused on it, it would keep growing. Energy flows where attention goes, right? And so, so she knew as a child this was true, even though as she got older, attempts were made to educate her away from that. Um, but fortunately, she, she didn't do that. But it took me much longer in life to know this, and I didn't understand this but this is this idea and if you look at CS Lewis's work again I go back to the space trilogy it's an excellent series if you've um if you haven't read it it illustrates in a fictional form these concepts and so this idea is they had paradise and perhaps it was on Venus or Perilandria Maybe Venus. Now that I think of that story, but anyway, I'm not going to. I'll get wrapped up in that, trying to remember this. But this idea that there was paradise and everything was perfect, until all of a sudden this evil entity violated the area and kind of brought, started bringing evil to it. And then all of a sudden people started knowing about it and they started having concerns and fears and these kind of bad things started manifesting. And so literally, that's the eating from the free, the true, the tree of. Um, knowledge of good and evil, is if you don't know about it, literally it's not there. If you don't know about the contrast, there's only, there's only the good. But in part of knowing about the contrast, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of what keeps life interesting in a way. Therefore good is what we want. Evil then is what we don't want. Again, it's very subjective. What do you want? Evil, you know, you can look at some people's desires and you'll say, why would they want that? Well, they want to feel a certain way and they want to have a certain experience, but it could be evil to some and good to others. And this is true if you look at the various groups, even the various spiritual groups or magical orders or various things that exist in the world. It's very fascinating that there are things that you walk into that you could potentially walk into unknowingly that are very dark. And you would think because perhaps the group has a certain level of affluence or wisdom or... um, reputation that it's, it's, it's good, but they perceive good as a different thing perhaps, and you may or may not be a good fit. And again, it's very relative, and so a lot of this thing in life is figuring out kind of where you fit and, and kind of trying these things, different things out, especially if you have more of a wanderer, a wanderer personality. Clearly the two, both good and evil, are linked to expectation. I say this because something is only evil if I both want to change it and perceive myself as being unable to change it. It's okay as long as I know I can change it. I'll only panic if I try to change it and that fails. That would make good the same thing as control. Evil or bad would then be perceived as lack of control. So if you go to the Alchemy in the Nine Dimensions by Barbara Clough, as she lays out this idea of the nine dimensions, which we've talked about before, there's the analogy in there that the Palladians... When they they channeled the information to her, they literally had this idea that you could go in and out as you want and go to these various places. And she viewed it as like Jack and the Beanstalk. I remember the book. She'd say, oh, I can climb up and and then leave, you know, leave the castle whenever I want and go back home. And I found this to be very true in my own experience. I validated this is that if you do this work, you can kind of shift around to the various dimensions through the use of your mind. And it's also very true in the healing world, working with the light and the dark energies. And so what happens is in the beginning, you may stay away from the, the darker aspects or the less dense worlds because of fear. And especially you don't want to be trapped there in various things. But as you learn, you can kind of test these things and build out these things and kind of tune your energy in a certain ways. And you know how to come and go at will then it becomes less scary, and you know, well, I can kind of explore and kind of just and see certain things and kind of just kind of understand some of these things, which again, if you look at this idea that it's the knowledge of good and evil that causes the issues, then perhaps it may or may not be a good thing, but it's, it's interesting in that there's not a problem if you know you can get out, and you could leave at any time, and so you don't really, in a way, you don't really care. It just becomes kind of interesting, and you know you can't be harmed. And you may forget for some from time to time, and you get stuck somewhere, but then you know you could you can remove yourself that it's kind of it becomes less of an issue, and you don't you don 't really care and so the panic comes in, especially if you 've ever experienced this, if you try something that 's worked before to bring it out and extract yourself, and you can 't do it, and it didn 't work, then all of a sudden it 's like, man, did I really screw something up but usually I found in that case, or I'd say always I found in that case given time, and if you're perceptive to your environment, you'll be given signs and things that will show up that will help extract you out there after you've learned a lesson. And so I would argue at that point that you may have needed to be spending some time in there, and something may needed to have happened to um, allow that experience may have been needed for, um, for, for some reason. And so, again, it is this matter of perception, and everything's good as long as you have control. And it's the lack of control or perceived control that you don't do that. And so if you have mastery of these things, it doesn't become an issue, but it's when this, when you feel kind of inexperienced and like a a fish out of water and become fearful, that's when it becomes, that's when it becomes an, an issue. Evil then is evil. Your belief that something is evil is what defines that thing as being evil. In your subjective perspective, Technically, you create evil when you think something is evil. Evil exists because you believe in it. The reason we think like this is an ego problem. It comes from believing that we should have control over something we do not and should not have control over it. If we did, we'd ruin everything. Evil then comes from thinking that you are God, i.e. having a right to control the universe. So this is, this is really interesting in that, again, we've talked about this, that it's this because you define it as evil, it's evil in and of itself. And there's this idea if you look at the um what I consider more of the darker or left-hand path literature, where there's this idea that you'll see it it'll show up every now and then that'll say like um there's no good or evil. There are simply ideas. And it sounds silly at the at the beginning, and you, you might wa- kind of write it off and say, well, that's just an excuse to kind of do whatever you want and to cause suffering if you want and and do this. But it's interesting when you think about it, it's, there seems to be truth in this, in that if you think of the world, if you think of this idea that there's a formless substance or the one, and the one thing that comprises all things, it's literally a blank, a blank slate. And it does not perceive good and evil. It literally what it's impressed with is what is impressed upon it by the minds of men and women. And so as such, there are only ideas in that way. And so in essence, you're putting a value judgment on this. And so a lot of this comes to is what space do you want to live in and what do you want to create? And this is where these various groups come in and the various approaches to, um, if you look at like the spiritual practices like right-hand path and left-hand path, you know, more of the the feminine energies healing versus more of the, you know, um, what, what you term like white magic. And then on the other side, you have more of the masculine, aggressive kind of black magic type of deal. And this idea that there's kind of, and it depends kind of on what, you know, where, where you live and what you want to kind of what you want to manifest and where your comfort zone is. And so, so there's this idea, evil then is evil. Your belief that something is evil is what defines that thing as being evil in your subjective perspective. And so it's evil if you think it is, and it's good if you think it is. Technically, you create evil when you think something is evil. And so thinking it makes it so. And this goes back to all the things. This idea, again, in the Wallace Waddles work of impressing your mind upon the formless substance this idea of um, an alchemy in the emerald tablets, the miracles are the one thing. Basically, your mind impressing within the mental substance your idea that makes it so and holding it there with intention over time. Evil exists because you believe in it. And this is really interesting, too, because if you study the healing methodologies, that's one of the things that's taught in those systems is that you 're not affected by those things, and i didn 't quite understand that early on i 'm like how could that not how could that be so i 've experienced these things in my life, but it 's true when you raise your vibration and you immerse yourself in those practices you 're not subjective to those things and i 've experienced it too, kind of this idea of Jack and the beanstalk if you have the beanstalk being the 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 vibrational level of reality, the higher you 're up on the beanstalk the the more I would say pleasant the experiences if that's what you enjoy if you enjoy um, increased health, calm of mind, so on and so forth, kind of joy and bliss and those kind of states of feeling, then that's what you experience and so you're not subject to those lower things you won't experience these things like illness and these other things that kind of plague um, uh, that kind of plague kind of, say, the mass of humanity who, who are unknowing of these things. And you could experiment with this. If you lower your density and explore things that are lower density, then all of a sudden you'll be subjected to those things. And I, I've had that as well, where all of a sudden you start getting colds or you start getting, and you're like, what the heck's happening here? I haven't been sick for years. Well, I'm playing in a lower density space now. And it's interesting too, is if you've explored this, going up and down the beanstalk, is that when you're higher up on the beanstalk, your diet will you made, and I've, I found this that you have preferences all of a sudden where you're like, well, I don't want meat, and I don't want alcohol, and I don't want these these things, and you may not you may not be you know your sexual desire may go down in these various things. You will have more increased interest in chastity and these these kind of virtues. All those things kind of go away, but then when you climb down the beanstalk and go into the um, the lower densities. Then all of a sudden those things become cravings, and all of a sudden you start, you tend to want the heavier meals, and you get hungrier, and, these, and you consume more energy. And it was interesting, recently I'd heard on some of Joe Dispenza's work where he had talked about the lower chakras, and so you can think of the chakra system as being the beanstalk too, climbing up and down it like an elevator, and that the lower chakras are energy consumers because there, it's this idea of they they provide the chemical experiences and so it's consuming energy by taking the energy and consuming into chemicals whereas the higher chakras are they're they're basically creating the field around you which basically is an energy you're emanating energy and so you're radiating energy rather than consuming and so that's what your cup runneth over and so if you live in the lower densities and you spend the time and you know and you believe in it that's what you'll experience. And so people who play around with this, especially if you do a lot like an of offensive magic and these other things, then all of a sudden, you'll be subjected to those things. And if you look at A Course in Miracles, this is what it talks about, where as soon as you attack another person, you become subject to being attacked. As soon as you wish ill on another person, you become subject to illness, it's this idea of karma, but not only that, but you open yourself up to it. But prior to doing that, you do not experience those things. And I've experienced this perfectly in that if you want to turn things on and off, that's exactly the way to do it. It's shifting your perspective and doing that. And so it's an interesting experiment if you ever want to play around with such things. You're trying to solve um, perhaps challenges in your own life It's a good way of doing it, is that practicing some of these things. And you'll see you can kind of turn it on and off like a faucet. And so because of that, you're willing to live into the pain a little more and experience it a little more because you know you could leave at any time. And so because of that, you're like, okay, let's see what this is, what lesson is here, and do I want to experience this? The reason we think, we, we like, think like this is an ego problem. It comes from believing that we should have control over something we do not and should not have control over. If we did, we'd ruin everything. And so this is interesting. How many times have you thought you wanted something and then when you got it, it's the worst thing for you? And I'm divided on this point a lot of times because you know a lot of times in society now, we're conditioned to know that we don't know what we need. And so a doctor knows more about your health than you do. A financial advisor knows more about your money than you do. There's always an expert who you outsource something to. Well, I believe the opposite in that we've been pulled away too much in that you know what your body needs if you pay attention to the signals. You know how to manage your money. You know how to manage your life perfectly if you listen to your heart and the signals but most people are disconnected from that. And you could tell when you kind of go in and out and you're connected and disconnected. And so that's on one hand. But on the other hand, there's possible, if you're not listening to the heart and it's more of an egoic construct, this is where the issues come in, that you think you want something. And this is a risk with manifestation. You can get caught into the Maya or the fog and things become very misty very fast and you get, you get trapped. And if, you've, um, if you watch The Matrix Revolutions... And I'm not sure if I've talked about this here before or not, but there's a scene in it where um, Neo and Trinity are flying in a spacecraft and they're they're flying and everything's really dark and, and dismal as the Matrix is. And all of a sudden, all these robots come at them and machines. And so he's like, there's too many of them. Pull up. We have to go over them. And what happens is he flies out of the cloud cover and goes into this brilliant bright light. And they hadn't seen it, or at least from the way my memory serves me, this is that Trinity says this is beautiful because she hadn't experienced it before. And so this is symbolic too in a way that they had to go over the problem to a higher level where the machines couldn't go. And then everything was light and bright. And so this is where it is, is that you think you want something, but a lot of times you're trapping yourself within Maya and then it becomes problematic and it's tricky because if you haven't experienced it before and even if you have sometimes the fog gets really thick you get kind of trapped in a bit of a doom loop down there and then you might need someone else to kind of come along and you know, offer you a stick out of the quicksand, so to speak, or you'll struggle in it, you know, but eventually you start recognizing the signs and you can kind of extract yourself over time. And you get more adept at this, but this is the thing of thinking, you know what you want and that you get caught in the illusion and focused on the illusion. And then eventually it's not only till you gain a higher perspective, you step into the sunlight that you'll realize, no, that's not what I wanted this. I'm trapping myself. This isn't good. And so it's time. But then sometimes it is interesting to go into the matrix and kind of go into the darkness a little bit. So evil then comes from thinking that you are God, i.e. having a right to control the universe. And so this is this distinction too. In a way, you are God in that you are part of the formless, in that you're part of the formless intelligence that comprises you, that works through you, and that is you. But on the other hand... There's a higher will attempting to work through you, and so again, it's dependent on what's working through you. If it's your ego, this is where you get into trouble, and you can kind of get trapped. Or if it's your, if it's the higher will at working through you as as an instrument, then this is kind of the way that you you kind of demonstrate this godlike potential, and you serve as co-creators with that. And then that's when you enter the flow state and get into these this various, um, you experience these very very. Um, transcendental experiences um, if you've ever experienced such things. And so it's this idea of you having mastery of your own life, but when you try to extend it outside of yourself, that's where it becomes the problem And that you try to control everything and everyone around you. Then it's the ego saying, I need to, I need to be in control all the time. Well, that's, not, that's really not the purpose um, from my perspective and my experience that it doesn't seem, and it doesn't really serve you because you think you know what you want from an egoic standpoint, but in essence, you're kind, of, you're kind of enmeshing yourself in the illusion. You're getting deeper in the quicksand, and you can't. what's worse is you can't see it. You think you're doing good, but then it, you might wake up at a certain point and be like, how did I get here? Or somebody might wake you up to it from the outside and give you a bit of a hint. And so it's, um, it's kind of interesting. And so this is an interesting, you know, the closing of this article, I will leave you with some Hamlet, Act 2, Scene 2, there is, no, neither, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And again, this is a really fascinating quote because it's this idea that everything's the tabula rasa, the, the blank slate, and it's literally that there are ideas out there and these ideas come to manifestation and looking at them a certain way is good or bad. And if you study the Ageless Wisdom tradition, it's, it's an interesting idea that there's a there's an emphasis on there where they talk about like, well, watching things that show up in your life. And this is part of, too, the, um, the evening review of the Pythagorean tradition, this idea of kind of looking at the day's events and seeing what unfolded and how you acted and how you responded. And this is part of Stoicism as well. But this idea when you look at things and say, well, what's what is this for? What use can I make of it? And when you start doing that, your perspective changes and everything starts shifting in your life because you no longer become a victim and you no longer say, well, why is this happening to me? Woe is me. You start saying, well, what is this for? Why is this showing up? What lesson is it meant to impart? And what use can I make of this? What fruit can I extract from this? And so nothing becomes neither good nor bad. It just becomes an experience within your life and something that's showing up for you. And especially as you attune to these various evolutionary energies, these things will show up in increasing ways. And it's very tempting to kind of want to shut off the bad or the perceived bad and go with the good. But again, there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so.